Welcome to the Your Village podcast, Parenting Beyond Discipline. Your Village is the most comprehensive site for evidence-based parenting classes available on demand at yourvillageonline.com. Our 50-plus classes give parents the foundation, steps, and tools for creating strong, healthy relationships with their children, resulting in responsible, cooperative, happy, and successful children and families. My goal is to help parents support their children in finding and reaching their own unique potential. The podcast is a place to learn about all things parenting and get your questions answered. I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. The questions today are about how to help when visiting with a friend or family member with a child with autism and what to do with a very rambunctious three-year-old who is very keen on making big messes. The second question is also from a mom with a husband in the military, so basically a single mom a great majority of the time, which also fits in perfectly with what I wanted to share about single parenthood this week. So Thursday is Valentine's Day. Now I've never been big on Valentine's Day anyway. When you have people you love in your life, you show them every day. So I don't need a particular holiday for that. And I certainly don't need any overpriced flowers or dinners. I think for those struggling with wanting a romantic relationship, it simply serves as a reminder of what they don't have. But Friday is Singles Awareness Day, so I wanted to give my support and admiration and a shout out to all those single parents out there, again in recognition of the very difficult journey that they have. Now, I was thrown into single momhood again this past week when my husband was told to return to the hospital for treatment without going into any details. Basically, he hasn't kicked the pneumonia. It was coming back, and so the doctor wanted him back into the hospital to get on some IV antibiotics, since the oral medications just weren't doing the trick. Now, he has some immune issues due to some medications he was on a few years ago, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going into the details. But he is back home now, and he's doing well. But as he was just starting to be able to help out again around the house, he started feeling run down, and off he went back to the hospital. So it's been almost three weeks that I've been on my own. And this weekend was pretty tough with kids needing to be in different places at once. Plus the trash, the dishes, and the laundry were all piling up and I was feeling a bit overwhelmed. As far as the housework, I just dug in and got it done. But what do you do when you have to be two places at once and there's only one of you? You call on your tribe. Now I'm not good at asking for help. I like to take it all on and look like the superhero, but that's not really the smartest thing to do sometimes. So if you're like me and you're not good at asking for help, stop it. Ask for help. Some people ask and don't really mean it, but others really do, and you can figure out the difference pretty quickly. I had a swim mom friend take my oldest home from swim practice so I could take my daughter to gymnastics. I had another friend come over and take care of my younger two and take them to their ice skating event while I took my oldest to a swim meet on Sunday. And I asked a family member to bring us a meal when they offered help and it really got me through these past few days. Now also, if you're someone who offers help to someone who you know is dealing with extra stress and they don't take you up on it, Food is always the answer. Send food, send food gift cards, whatever form you want, but you can never go wrong with food. Now, one other note before I get to the questions, and that is that Carter, our oldest, was trying to qualify for two more events for Junior Olympics, and despite the cold and the rain, he cut three seconds off his 100 free to qualify. So now 
We are staying two more nights at Junior Olympics just so he can do a race that's just over a minute long. His first event is Saturday, and then the 100 free isn't until Monday, but he's excited and I am proud of him. He missed the cutoff to qualify for the 50 free by 0.28 seconds, so and that would have been Sunday, but that's okay. I'm still excited and really happy for him. Okay, for the questions, Rebecca wrote, I have a question not about my own child, but rather about my niece, so here it is. My little seven-year-old niece, the oldest of two children, struggles with what I think of as anxiety shutdown. When she comes into any new situation, she completely shuts down. What I mean by shut down is she cannot look at anyone, stares at the floor, and hangs on to her mom or a person she has already become comfortable with hours before. Another example, she will spend 30 minutes on Skype looking at you without saying a word and then cry when it's time to say goodbye because she still has stuff to say, but she cannot bring herself to speak even one word. Yet, she'll be talking to her mom in the background saying what she would really like to be saying to me. It takes her a good hour to become comfortable enough to speak when she comes to visit our small, very quiet family. But we have to ignore her, no hugs or direct talking, in order for her to naturally come out of the shutdown. If we speak or give her a hug, it gets worse. As far as discipline, she will lose it and yell at her mom, for example, then shut down completely, usually in some other room or in a corner, and will not speak or acknowledge your presence. Another thing I've noticed is she does a lot of whispering. For example, if she wants help from me, she whispers to her mom what she wants, then five minutes later be chatting away to me. She's extremely sensitive to noise, and I'm not sure if it connects at all, but she also has an extremely sensitive scalp. She doesn't like anyone touching her hair and does not like water to touch her face. She refuses to have a shower, but loves the bath and enjoys swimming with her friends and dad, who I have to add here is a triathlete. She's a very loved little girl by the entire family, but none of us really know how to deal or help her with it. I've looked these things up on the internet, but it's just so confusing, with experts and non-experts alike giving their thoughts. I recently heard that she'll be going to therapy to try to help her cope with the shutdowns, but I feel that we as her extended family need to be able to help her too. Do you have any tips for me? I did listen to your podcast about anxiety and gained a few tips, but it just didn't connect completely with the shutdown part. So... Rebecca then clarified in a later email that the specialist has said that her niece is on the very low end of the autistic spectrum and that her nervous system is having a hard time with everything. She works twice as hard to do things that other kids do, which causes her to get increasingly frustrated and fly off the handle, which in turn frustrates mom, who is not only dealing with her, but also with a toddler of 27 months. Rebecca finishes, thanks again so much for doing the podcast. They're such a great support and resource for me as a new mom. And I have asked for a subscription to your website as my Christmas gift this year. So obviously Rebecca sent this in a little while ago and she has joined. And I've answered some of her questions directly. And this is exactly what I would have expected. Now, obviously you never diagnose anyone without doing some type of assessment and many assessments, but these behaviors definitely sound like the autistic spectrum to me. So I'm glad that she has the diagnosis and they're going to work with her now on that. So I am by no means a specialist in autistic spectrum disorders, but I can share what I know about it and to give a better understanding and then give some tips, just like Rebecca asked in ways to help her family when they're visiting or when they come to visit them, as well as on Skype in trying to communicate. So 
Autism refers to a broad range of conditions. It's characterized by challenges with social skills, sometimes repetitive behaviors, speech, and nonverbal communication. And then also the sensitivities to noise, light, touch, those kinds of things are often a part of autistic spectrum disorders as well. And there's two different types of autism, but both fall under the autism umbrella. Now, one of those is just general ASD, autistic spectrum disorder. There used to be four, and now they've just put them all together. Um, Asperger's syndrome used to be a completely separate diagnosis, but it now falls under the ASD spectrum, the AS, uh, under ASD, autistic spectrum disorders. So there is no magic here, of course, and just accepting and being comfortable with your niece and with her current emotional state at each moment, especially in the beginning when she first gets to, when she first comes to visit or when you first get to see her or on Skype, because these transitions are extremely tough for her. Meeting her where she is and allowing her to work her way through the initial transition. Now, as they get through some therapy, this will most likely get better, but so first, you just want to follow her lead and listen to mom. If she doesn't want to talk or hug or make eye contact and needs lots of space and time, you just want to allow it. You want to follow her mom's instructions. So if it's okay to greet her, do so. It's nice to see you, but if mom says no, she's just not going to be able to process that. It's going to be too much. You can just go about your business and then as she gets more comfortable, she'll let you know. And then of course you wanna do what you can to accommodate her needs, such as keeping the noise level down, just like I'm sure you already do. Also, you can ask her mom how you can help. If both kids are having a meltdown, you could offer to help with the younger child while mom helps work with your older niece. Another thing is, and you can talk to mom about this, or once your niece is warmed up, you can talk with her about it. But what are her interests? What are her hobbies? What are her activities? What does she like to do? and make a space for her in your house where she can go, especially if she prefers a more quiet corner, a more quiet space, or if she would be happy to sit in the corner of the living room in this space, then she can be around everyone. But whatever mom and, and or your niece decide is the most comfortable thing for her, create that space where she would be most comfortable. So if she likes to play with dolls, you can have a little corner with dolls. If she likes to do art, you can have a corner where she has all kinds of different art supplies and she can sit and do art. And this will help her relax, help her calm down, help her get comfortable. If it's always the same space in your house and she knows where it is and knows where to go, she'll just beeline for that. She'll go in, she'll sit down, and once she calms down, she'll start to engage with the group a little bit at a time. But that will give her a place that feels like hers, that's comfortable, and will help her to connect with the environment and is also a way of just showing her that you care. Now, when it comes to Skype, know that just being there and talking to her, even if she's not reacting or talking directly to you, you know she wants to connect and that she is in her own way. So keep asking questions or telling her about what's going on with your family. It keeps the connection going and through Skype, it'll support your relationship with her. If she's sad when it's time to go because she hasn't been able to open up, you can just let her know it's okay and she's welcome to Skype with you anytime and that you're happy to just see her. You're basically just accepting her as she is and loving her for who she is and letting her know that. And that's the most amazing gift that we can give anyone. And that acceptance and that love is an amazing healing process and connection process for anyone. I will get to the question from a mom wondering how to deal with big messes from a three-year-old when we return after a word from our sponsor. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners. 
Ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. At HomeThreads.com, explore a thoughtfully curated collection of furniture designed for families who believe in positive parenting. From cozy reading nooks to durable playroom essentials, our pieces are crafted to enhance your parenting journey. Home Threads has an incredible selection of furniture, decor, and accessories like throw pillows, blankets, to snuggle under for family movie nights, or reading time that helps you create the warm, cozy home that is the foundation for happy family memories. I love all the great pieces I've gotten from Home Threads to finish the look in my home. Gorgeous yet durable and cozy accent throw pillows, blankets, and some really cute wall decor. I have an ocean theme throughout my downstairs, so I got a couple of really great wall pieces to finish that look. And some picture frames for the family photos. Visit homethreads.com parenting today and get a code for 15% off your order. That's homethreads.com parenting parenting to get your code for 15% off your order because great parenting deserves a great home. Home threads, love where you live. To me, there is nothing more important than my family's health and well-being. We all know the quality of the air in our home is important, but did you know indoor air quality can be up to a hundred times dirtier than outdoor air? I've got to tell you about Puro Air. In 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, dander, and gases from the room. Puro Air uses a stronger filter called a HEPA-14 that filters pollutants at a microscopic level and is backed by scientists from Harvard and MIT. In laboratory studies, users saw noticeably cleaner air in just 30 minutes. When it comes to babies and children, there's nothing worse than dealing with a cranky baby or child who can't sleep because of congestion. Air purifiers can help reduce congestion and improve immune system function to fight those winter colds and flus. I use my Puro Air purifiers to clean the air in my home, especially in our bedrooms while we sleep. It has a quiet, relaxing hum and cleans the air from pet dander, allergens, viruses, dust, mold, odors, and contaminants. It has four levels, low, medium, high, and sleep and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA-14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back from the break, it's time for our next question about taming a messy three-year-old. Hello, my name is Brett and I live in Nova Scotia, Canada. I've been listening to your podcast for about a year and I really appreciate your approach to parenting. I have two daughters, ages three and five, and my husband is in the military and overseas right now, so I'm basically a single mom working full-time with one child in daycare and the other in school. The issue I have with my three-year-old is she's a veritable tour de force in creating chaos. I have someone come to clean the house and do laundry once a week, and it takes her about 25 minutes to turn the house back upside down. I love her curiosity, creativity, and love of exploring, but what this translates into at home is a big mess. I feel sometimes like despite my best efforts, I'm living in a pigsty. I've tried to let it go, embrace that they're only young ones, and who cares if the house is a mess, but it stresses me out and makes it hard for me to relax in the evening. 
Because I'm essentially a single parent, I'm not in the position to monitor my children all the time. I often put on a 30-minute show when we get home while I make supper. And while this works for my five-year-old, my three-year-old quickly moves on to make a mess with toys, markers, Christmas ornaments, anything she can get her hands into. The trouble is I can't seem to get her to clean up after herself. So for example, the other evening, in the five minutes I was in the washroom, she found a container of cherry tomatoes in the kitchen, threw them all over the kitchen floor, and even stomped on some. They were everywhere, and the house had just been cleaned. I tried to explain to her patiently that she needed to clean up, but it was almost like she didn't even hear me. I explained again, and this time she heard, but didn't clean up. I'm ashamed to say I resorted to yelling and putting her in a timeout, which I have vowed not to do. My question is, how do I encourage a headstrong child to clean up one activity before moving on to the next. I don't want to be on my children's cases all the time about being clean, but to avoid disaster and complete chaos, I need tips to encourage children to clean up a mess they've made. Thanks and love your work and podcast, Brett. So first I want to say, Brett, we've all resorted to these things that we never thought we'd do, me included. I have yelled at my kids in the past, and I'm sure I will yell at them again in the future. We do the best we can. We get tired. We're going to mess up. That's okay. But let's get to answering your question and give you some tools for this moving forward. Now, Brett also asked another question, but I won't have time to get to that today. So I'll add that to another episode down the road. Now, just as a reminder, if you are a member on the Your Village website, yourvillageonline.com, I answer questions from members in an email within 48 hours. So it is much quicker than waiting for an answer on the podcast. And there's actually a form on the member side where you can go in, fill out your question, and it comes directly to my email so I can answer it for you. Now, these are easy questions, of course, like these type of podcast questions. Anything I can answer quickly in five to ten minutes, and I'll shoot off those answers to my parents as quickly as I can get to them. And I usually try to do them first thing in the morning when I get up. So now, Brett, to answer this question, which has two parts, keeping the mess at bay, and then second is getting kids to clean up after. So when we can, prevention is always easiest, but we can't always do that. So we also need to be prepared to teach them about cleaning up their messes as well. For prevention, I've mentioned before how my kids went to a Reggio preschool, and this philosophy, among many other philosophies for early childhood education, values exploration, which I love. However, in exploration, there also needs to be some boundaries too, especially at home when we can't be on top of our kids constantly. So I recommend keeping some things put away until you're ready to be present during that playtime. These are things like markers, crayons, Play-Doh, anything where toddlers and preschoolers can make a big mess, especially a permanent mess that could mean a lot of frustration or hours trying to fix marks on walls, clothes, furniture, or things ground into carpets, clothing, and furniture. So anything that's potentially very messy, find a place to store it out of reach of cute little bodies. Also out of view, because invariably, if they can see it, they're going to want it. So only keep a few different toys or toy sets out at a time and rotate them. So rather than keeping 10 different sets of toys, keep three to four different sets of toys out. Now this isn't just for neatness, but also for development. If there are too many options, toddlers and preschoolers don't go as deep into their play. If they only have a few options, they'll play with something much longer and much deeper and potentially combine toys together as they expand their imaginative play. So things like cars, Duplo, and wooden blocks, among any other number of combinations, can go very well together. 
wooden blocks, Duplo, and the farm animal set. These types of things. If you put toys away, again, make sure they're out of sight, not just out of reach, because they're going to want the toys they can't have at that moment. Also, then you rotate out the toys every couple of weeks to a month. So every couple, so if you only have three to four sets of toys out, you're probably gonna wanna rotate them out every couple of weeks. If you're keeping five, four to five sets of toys out, then you can go closer to a month. But every couple of weeks to every, every two weeks to a month, you wanna rotate out one toy set and bring out something they haven't seen in a month to six weeks. It keeps the toys fresh and new and the imaginative play going because the toy is interesting again. Also, because they're going deeper into the play with that one or two sets of toys, they're gonna play with it longer and not move on to the next thing and pull it out, and the next thing and pull it out because it's new and interesting again. Now, the different combinations make for new possibilities. So as you're rotating toys and they've got new combinations, there's a whole new set of possibilities for play. The other way to keep messes at bay as much as possible is childproofing. Childproofing, childproofing, childproofing. If a toddler can make a mess, she will. Books on lower shelves go up for a year or two. Kitchen cabinets and drawers, bathroom cabinets and drawers, makeup, all the stuff you may keep under the sink like extra shampoos, toothpaste. You can imagine the mess that children can get into with this stuff and it may not even be safe. So you wanna get the child locks on every single drawer and cabinet that you can. It's impossible to make a mess with something you cannot get to. I love the magnet locks, but you wanna get like two or three of the keys so that you can always find one when you need it and then have a very particular spot up high to put it up. So in the class on discipline tools for toddlers and the class on distraction redirection, I cover a lot of ways to childproof besides just using these locks and things, but there's a lot of things to go around the house, not just for safety, but also just to keep the messes cleaned up. And then there's also some other tools for positive discipline in the distraction redirection class, rather than trying to distract and or redirect. Not just because it's exhausting, but also because distraction and redirection works against a child's natural developmental tendencies, and so it's just frustrating for everyone. Also, using contribution to keep them busy can help in those moments when their curiosity is threatening to wreak havoc. It can be enough to avoid meltdowns or messes. So, engaging your toddler in helping with dinner rather than trying to pull things out of the refrigerator. It doesn't matter if the work they're doing is actually helpful or not, but if she thinks she's helping by getting her toy carrots and a toy pot, by all means, keep her busy with it. If she's using her Play-Doh and kneading it next to you on the counter while you chop vegetables, great. You can be silly and you can pretend it's part of the special recipe. Now, once kids are old enough, you can even get them kids cooking tools where they can actually cut up vegetables with a plastic knife and really help you out. This is sometimes around age four, but usually by age five, they can really be helping with this. Young kids love to feel important and helpful and accomplished. And when dinner is ready, there's a great pride in having contributed. And this can go along with your three-year-old. If there's a way she can really help or if you wanna pretend what she's doing is helping make dinner, this will get her into more of a mode of cooperating rather than just running around and making a mess. Lastly, what about having kids clean up after themselves? There are some options here. When it comes to toys, you can have a regimen in place. We don't have dinner until toys are cleaned up. If there's not an option to eat until everything's put away, then there's a pretty big incentive for getting that done. 
Now, at first, you may need to help her clean up, but soon a three-year-old should understand the protocol and expectation. And with proper warning and with proper choices, they can get the toys put away, within reason, of course, as they are expected to do. You want to offer choices. Now or in five minutes, the blocks first or the trains first. This gives a freedom of choice within the boundaries of needing to clean up. Now, if your day has particular protocols set in place and you don't do X until you do Y, you don't do B until you've done A, kids get used to that schedule and that regimen and learn to follow through on that. Okay, what about the tomatoes? What do you do? A couple of things. The first is positive intent. Now, while it is inconvenient and annoying, a three-year-old is not intending to make a mess. It's discovery. Kids are little scientists. Now, I don't know if you saw my post on Instagram a few weeks ago. It was a picture of my twins when they were two, and they had taken a huge bag of Costco-sized veggie straws and dumped it all over the living room floor when I dared to use the bathroom. Now, my son had his little plastic cup all full of these veggie straws, but for whatever reason, they thought it was pretty cool to empty the rest of it onto the floor, and it was full. We had just gotten it. So I got a question on Instagram about how did I handle it? Well, the first part of my answer was I took responsibility. I was the one who left them out, so that part was on me. But these things will happen. We're busy. We have a lot on our minds, and we're going to leave things out inadvertently. So our toddlers are going to make messes sometimes when we do this. So after the mess, I know you wanted your daughter to help clean the mess she made. So you can use the same tactics above. You can give choices. Which side of the kitchen is she going to start the cleanup? The one towards the refrigerator or towards the cupboards or however your kitchen is laid out? You can make it a game. You can count together as you each pick them up. Now it's great if she'll do it all on her own and you can get there once she understands the expectation. But the first several times or on a day when she's just feeling really exhausted and tired, you may have to pitch in. And this is okay. You know, in our house, when I ask my kids to do something, they often like to say, but I didn't get it out or I didn't leave it there. I didn't whatever. Well, I don't care who got it out or left it there. I'm just asking you to help because I didn't get it out either. But what we've done is we really work with the kids. We've taught them that a family works together, that we're all here to help each other out. So if I ask you to pick something up, just please do it without complaining. And for the most part now, they do this without complaining. Not always, but most of the time. So these are the times you can teach by example that pitching in, helping out, this is what we do when she's having a rough time or while she's still figuring it out. So for more on choices and how to use them with different ages, along with other positive discipline tools, you can see the classes on discipline tools for toddlers, discipline tools for preschoolers, the class on choices, as well as the classes on power struggles and getting kids to listen, which covers that gaining cooperation part. They're all on the website at yourvillageonline.com under the discipline section. Now I will be posting another video this week on Instagram and I'll be talking about helping your child deal with mean kids. Now all of my kids have had to deal with this at one point or another. So it's an inevitable part of childhood, unfortunately. So to see that video, you can follow me at ironmom2020 on Instagram. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week.